The Guatemalan Civil War started in 1960. It would ravage the country for the next 36 years, and in total, it's believed that some 250,000 people lost their lives, and there were at least 600 massacres throughout the country. It was during this chaotic period that Oscar Castaneda was raised in a loving household. He had a beautiful family and wonderful siblings. He was raised to love and respect his parents. Amidst the chaos, he found comfort. In spite of the war, he felt security. His father was an officer, a lieutenant with the police force. Financially, till that point, they were fine and everything seemed good, but their world was turned upside down in one day when his dad was killed in a traffic accident. That tragedy left Oscar's mother to raise him and his siblings and no doubt things were difficult. No doubt things were hard. And understandably, in 1998, Oscar illegally entered the USA and settled in Massachusetts, got married, had kids, bought a house. His life was going well. But of course, his immigration status always made him just a little uneasy. So when he got a call from a prosecutor in Guatemala, he was a bit nervous. However, he decided to call her back and during their conversation, the prosecutor explained that she had some sensitive news that she was going to send to him. Stand by for an email and await what I've got to let you know. And with this one single email, the attached information grabbed the string that held Oscar's life together and pulled his world apart. Everything that he thought was right and everything that he thought had been normal, everything that he had thought to be good, literally unraveled right before his eyes. The prosecutor began to explain by way of writ that his real life started in a real little village. The village where he had been born was the place of a horrible, infamous massacre called the Massacre of Dos Eddies. His original family had been destroyed in the tragic, senseless killing in that community of 250 men, women, and children. And out of all of those people, there were only two survivors who were left. That's a difficult amount of news to process with a single email. With one conversation, Carlos' world had been turned upside down. But perhaps the most difficult part of the story to process came next. He learned that he was only alive because the man that he grew up believing to be his father was actually his captor. The note explained that the man who had raised him, the person that he thought of when someone said, Papa, the man he loved and respected, the man that he missed and he mourned when he lost him, this man that he had called father was actually his kidnapper. He grew up a hostage in his own home without knowing it. He grew up incarcerated without understanding it. He grew up blind to his own bondage. Oscar was stunned. 
Just, I know that we just kind of landed, and in three minutes we unpacked somebody's entire life, but, but can you just try and step back and step into his shoes with me for a moment? Can, can you just imagine trying to wrestle with that reality that his dad, his father, his papa was actually a kidnapper? It's so sad, and, and the story got worse. It said that his father was actually the one that had orchestrated the slaughter of Oscar's real family, his eight brothers and sisters, a, a village that was destroyed, 250 lives lives killed in a single day a community wiped out future abandoned and Carlos didn't even know it he had been blind to his own bondage it's a frightening thing to consider that your entire existence your life as you know it was never the life that you were meant to live I'll say that one more time. It's, it's a frightening thing to consider that your entire existence, the life as you know it, was never the life that you were meant to live. And, and I want the tension to settle in the room for a moment about that in the natural because I just want to turn the page for a moment this morning and help us to realize that this newsworthy story in the natural is how most people live in the supernatural every single day. They live lives that they were never intended to live. They live in a bondage that most of them are completely and absolutely unaware of. And it's our duty and our responsibility to remind somebody that God has a greater life for people that are in bondage today. It was Jesus' intention. It was his mission for us to have life and to have it more abundantly. You'll never live an abundant life in bondage. We chafe at the idea of innocent being incarcerated. We hate the idea of slavery. We fight against the injustice of people being placed in bondage. Yet we walk through this world with men and women every single day. We rub shoulders with them. And we are often, and they are often, blind to the bondage. We tend to become comfortable being tolerable. We keep telling ourselves that they're success. They're, they're successful people. They wouldn't want to know the bondage that they're in. But, but Jesus was completely different because when Jesus came on the scene, he began to let men and women know that they didn't have to live the lives that they were in, that there was an option, there was an alternative, there was another truth that was going to set them free. And he came for them to have life and that they would have it more abundantly. I, I just need somebody to tap their neighbor this morning and tell him God has an abundant life available for you. God just doesn't intend for us to go through life living it just under power, under normal, under exceptional. God has a plan for everybody to live an abundant life this morning. Oh, I think we could just amen that one more time. That's a common phrase and a common scripture for us. But anybody in the room know that you're living life in abundance when you used to live it in poverty? Anybody in the room realize that you, come on, you have a testimony today because God said you've got abundant life. You have the opportunity not to be dead, but to come alive in Christ. There's a world that's living blind to the bondage. That's why when Jesus came, he said these words. He was speaking with the Jews in John chapter 8 and verse 31. Jesus said to them, which believed on him, he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. 
There's something about the power of the word. I, I can't explain it. I, I don't understand it. We were in service last night and, and it was warm. It was like, I don't know, when we left here it was 31 degrees. I don't know, it may have been a couple of degrees cooler when we got down to camp meeting and we went into service and everybody was looking for fans and everybody was looking for shade. Everybody was looking for a little breeze to blow and we were standing outside the tabernacle. It just felt like good old, good old camp meeting. Mosquitoes, sweat, wrestling with sound systems and oh somebody say amen. amen we got in that service and and all of a sudden we began to sing and everybody forgot about how warm it was we got we got singing about the goodness of God and we got singing about God's grace and and everybody just kind of began to forget about the environment we we forgot about uh, this beautiful building that we get to seat in there the open rafters no insulation no air conditioning just just a few fans firing air around warm stale sweaty air around <laughs> oh if you were there say amen we forgot all about it, and I, I can't understand it, but you know, when, when Brother Gurley got to the pulpit, he began to preach, and, and you didn't think about anything wrong, and, and there's the, the scripture, I like the way that the word states it, because it's true, it's the foolishness of preaching. It's this foolish activity. Some people would look on and say, well, that's just a bunch of foolishness. That's, that's just a bunch of, who wants to sit there and wait through somebody preaching the word? What's, what's that all about? But Jesus knew. He, he said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. And there's something about getting together with the people of God and, and just allowing the word to be unpacked. And, and by the time the preacher was done, there was faith in the room and lives were changed and futures were altered. And all of a sudden we left with a plan and an intention to do something more for God than we ever wanted to do before and I'm just I just reminded someone that's the power of the word and when Jesus said if you continue in my word then you're my disciples indeed but he didn't stop there he goes to the next verse and he said and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free the truth shall make you free. I'm, I'm grateful for freedom and I'm, I'm grateful for liberty that we've got today. I, I'm grateful for the opportunity that we have to, to stand in this room and celebrate God in this room. I, I, if we were just talking about civil liberties and I'm grateful that, that we live in a country where we have freedoms. I'm, I'm grateful that we're able to gather together. Come on, we just got a little picture of what restrictions might bring, what communism people, what they might live in. We have a little picture of that over the last few years. But when I came into the room this morning, people were praising God and people were giving God the glory. And, and we sang and, and come on, the presence of God ministered and nobody held you in your pew, Brother Larry. It was, come on, it was perfectly in order for you to get in the aisle and get down to the altar. And, and it was perfectly in order for Matt to say, come on, let's sing that song another time. And, it was perfectly in order for us to kind of celebrate the goodness of God and let his spirit move I'll tell you why where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty we don't like bondage because we love liberty we don't like bondage we don't we don't want to be even held to a schedule we get pretty routine at times I'll give you that two songs prayer announcements and offering and well we even cut the offering out Preaching of the word, altar call, dismissal. But I tell you what, I love it when the spirit of liberty moves in the room. I like it when we say, you know what? 
This chair feels a little bit like bondage right now. I'm just going to get out. I, this, this aisle feels a little bit like incarceration. I just want to step out into liberty. I, I want to declare my freedom. I want to let freedom ring. I want to let it ring in the room. I, I want it to bounce off the walls. I want it to, come on, bounce off the ceiling. Anybody got freedom this morning? Freedom. We'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And that's why the Bible speaks so directly about sin. It isn't ignorance that sets you free. They say ignorance is bliss. But ignorance is bondage. Bliss may be for a season, but before long, bondage moves in, and it steals your freedom. It steals your happiness. Come on, ignorance, when you don't know, when you don't know, you end up living beneath your privilege. When you don't know, you end up living a life that you were never meant to live. You, you end up living in a house that you were never intended to abide in. You, you end up play, being in a place that you were never supposed to be there. You, you end up being there, but, but when truth comes, truth sets you free. I, I think, I don't know, I, I'm sorry, but I think we just might be a little bit forgetful this morning about what life was like before Jesus. I think we might be just a little bit forgetful about what life used to be like. Anybody, I, it's just a little quiet in the room this morning, and I'm, I'm actually toning it back a little bit because I don't want to be way out on a limb somewhere all by myself. But I just, I just need someone to do a, 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 just a little, little wellness check in your spirit and say, yeah, God set me free. When all my life you have, that, that's why something began to move in the room when we began to remember about the goodness of God and what God's done. And, and I tell you, the enemy would love to kind of keep you in bondage and keep you held back in that old house, in that old life, in that old mentality. But I wish someone would just stand for a minute and say, I've got liberty and I've got freedom and I'm going to exercise it for a moment. I know that's kind of pushing a little bit and I know that's probably and in the Holy Ghost but, but I think God's taking us somewhere in the next few minutes and, and we're going to get there when the testimony of the believer tells the unbeliever God's got a plan that's better for your life I need someone to rejoice in liberty this morning I need someone to rejoice about the goodness of God I, I need someone to celebrate the power of the blood I need someone to remember what baptism did for you and what an altar of repentance did for you I need someone to remember for a moment what it was like when God set you free I just need a little reminder myself this morning. So if you just excuse me for about 10 minutes, I'm going to praise him. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. That's just it is something about stirring up the gift that's within you. Sometimes it, it just settles down, but it, it's all right to stir it up. It's all right to shake it up just a little bit. It's all, it's all right to let the Spirit of God perform a supernatural work in the room today. Ha. Would you clap hands to the Lord? You may as well add a shout of triumph with it. Is that all right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
You can be seated. Thank you for helping me. Ignorance will leave you there in bondage. I'm grateful this morning to know the truth of salvation. I'm glad that I know what I need to do to be saved. I'm glad that I know the name whereby I am saved. I'm, I'm grateful that I know there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, I, and I know what that one thing is. I'm grateful for the revelation of the name of Jesus, and I'm glad there's only one God, and we know him today. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and there's one Savior who came to seek and to save the lost. There's one throne in heaven, not three. There's one baptism, mode and method, immersion in the name of Jesus. There's one message of salvation, Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized in that name and receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in, in other tongues. I'm glad that I know about the message of salvation. I, I'm grateful that there's one gospel. We don't have to be confused that when we study the word, the word will let us know there's one door into the sheepfold. There's one, 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 one way to God. Amen. Baptized in Jesus. I've been in camp. I'm glad, I'm, I'm grateful, and that truth, that truth sets us free. And in and, and younger generation, can I, can I let you know today that our previous generation celebrated this truth because that truth was something. That truth was something that separated them from the world that they lived in. That truth was something that separated them from the families that they, they were a part of. That, that truth kind of put up a wall of separation at times. But, but that truth, they knew that that truth was something that set them free. It might set them at odds with their workplace. and It might set them at odds with their family. But that truth set them free. And so truth matters. And that's why Jesus said, if, you, if you'll continue in my word, you're my disciples in truth. When you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. And Jesus is preaching just probably a lot better than I am this morning. The master communicator, storyteller was at work and he was there with his audience. But I'm, I'm grateful that even, even his audience sometimes didn't get it. That lets me know that it's all right sometimes when not everybody hears or receives or we don't like it. But, but, but look what happens in, in verse 33. He's preaching and he's just released this powerful word. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And the crowd roars. And they body surf Jesus through the crowd. And listen to their answer. They say, oh, we be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? I'm sorry, what was that? We were never in bondage to any man. Talk about being blind to their bondage. And that's when when Jesus probably said, have you even read the Old Testament? Talk about being blind to bondage. Does Egypt ring a bell? Does Pharaoh 
ring a bell, there's 10 plagues, 10 plagues with Moses hollering, let my people go. Does that register on the radar? Where have you been? We were never in bondage to, and they were so blind to their bondage. Does Assyria remind you of anything at all? Does the word Babylon mean anything? Harps on the willow? How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Does that, does Daniel in the lion's den, does three Hebrew boys in Nebuchadnezzar in a fiery furnace, hello, people. We were never in bondage to any man. They've got their robes in order. They're all, they've got everything. They seem like it's all perfect. And here is this opportunity. And Jesus is saying, truth, this truth is going to make you free. And their denial comes in the form of just saying, we have never been in bondage. Daniel and the lions at three. Here, here's one for you, audience of Jesus. John chapter 8. Here's one for you. Rome. Does Caesar Augustus mean anything to you? Does all the world should be taxed? Does King Herod, I guess we're there too, aren't we? <laughs> does King Herod mean it? Does Pilate mean anything to you? You're not in and, and, and can you see how sometimes that, that we get so locked into the life of bondage that we forget about the fact that there's an opportunity for liberty there? Does, does, it, real, does, it, does it register on their radar? See, they missed it because they didn't realize that the opportunity for real life, that abundant life was right there. They, they, they were missing the moment. But, but church, is it possible that, that we're missing a moment in the here and now because but we, we get content in our life and we got our work maybe Monday to Friday if you're lucky or shift work if you're not or, or wherever and whatever job you've got and, and we go through the motions and, and Sunday morning becomes our opportunity to express our goodness and the goodness of God and the greatness of God in our life but, but God's saying I, I'm talking about an abundant life beyond Sunday I'm talking about an abundant life beyond Monday I'm talking about an abundant life that impacts everything that you do and everywhere that you go and everyone that you talk to and, and I'm talking about abundant life and, and we just come on we can we can we gotta be cautious because we can fall into the same landmine and trap and say we've never been in bondage and we can take it a step further when we go to the world because the world is convinced that we come on we, we've never had it so good materially but we've never had it so bad Morally, we, we, we live very comfortably and we've convinced ourselves that we're not in bondage. And, I, and I'm speaking on behalf of people beyond the doors this morning or, or maybe someone that just that happened in the room this morning or happened online to join us right now. Can, can I just let you know that God intends for you to live life abundantly and that includes more than Sunday, Wednesday, come on, Tuesday morning prayer, early morning prayer, pre-service prayer on Sunday night. It includes more than that. It, it includes a life that's lived in abundance. And Jesus responded to that. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you that whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. 
Sin will put you in bondage. We, we know that sin is universal. That's why he told the women or the, the, the men that brought the woman caught in the act of adultery. They came with their stones ready to hurl. And he said, okay, you without sin, fire the first stone. Go ahead and go ahead. No one, nobody, no one. No, nobody, because they couldn't, none of them could make the claim that they were without sin. And so Jesus is saying here, he's responding to the audience's idea about them not being in bondage. He, he's responding to their ignorance. He's responding to their maybe innocence at some level. I don't know, but he's responding to them and he's saying, if you've ever committed sin, you're servant to sin because sin will put you in bondage and sin will steal your life and sin will capture and enslave you and sin will keep you as long as you never learn the truth. Without the truth, you carry on your existence without ever knowing that you're bound. Without the truth, you are blind to the bondage. But that's where the power of truth, and, and if there's anything that's released by this foolishness of preaching this morning, my prayer is that someone will realize God has a plan for my life. Blind to the bondage. Without the truth, you accept your existence. Without the truth, you just believe what you're told. Without the truth, you just let the drivel of society become your reality. But if somebody will just preach the truth, then something powerful happens. And that's why this morning we're commissioning every believer in the room. If the truth has set you free, then you have the responsibility to share that truth with somebody. I'm so grateful for our outreach team. They were out this week. Would you give them a hand? They, that I know of, I don't believe they had a pulpit with them. That I know of, I, I don't believe that they, they had their iPad full of sermons. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that they, you know what they did? They just stepped into society that's dark and let light begin to shine. You know, sometimes that's just, that's the outreach. And, and someone begins to ask questions. And, and maybe not the first time, or maybe not even the second or third time. But before long, somebody says, why would you do what you're doing? Why, why would you reach out? Why is this outreach happening? Why? Why would you be kind to us? Why would, why would you do this? Whether it's for the nurses at the hospital, whether it's for the firemen or the police persons, or, or you know, fire persons. What are we doing? What are we saying now? Um, <clears throat> whether it's for any of those, or, or whether who, we, we don't, whether it's uh, into the the, uh, the indigenous communities this week and, and, and just kind of just letting a little bit of light shine, just letting a little kindness go, letting a little love be evident and obvious. I'll tell you what happens. Truth begins to flow and when truth begins to flow, freedom is available and freedom becomes an open opportunity and, and the door that was never there becomes apparent and the door that was always open begins to swing, always shut begins to swing open. Why? Because it's just the power of truth when truth is released in our community. I wish someone would just say I, I'm going to let truth go in my life. I'm going to let truth be preached through my life. I'm wanting to be someone that releases truth. If someone will just preach the truth. <laughs> Jesus said it this way, the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. What he was saying is someone will just preach truth. The truth, the house can't hold you. The house of sin, you know, the house of bondage is mentioned 10 times in the Old Testament prophets referred to it, the house of bondage, the house of bondage, the house of bondage, the house of bondage, refers to Israel being, and that's why I'm sure that he had this question mark on his face when, when they said, we've never been in bondage to any man. Ten times in the Old Testament, they referred to the house of bondage, but, but the house of bondage wasn't where 
they were meant to live. We can come back to the music this morning. If someone will just preach the truth, the house of bondage can't hold you. Chains begin to break. Walls begin to fall. In the midst of darkness, light arrives on the horizon. Hope is ushered into the room of hopelessness. Addictions are broken. Incarcerations turn to celebration. And then the verse that we all know is what Jesus said, because if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Ezra gave Israel this hope in the Old Testament. He, he said it. He, he knew that they were in bondage. Ezra 9, 9, for we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God. House of bondage or the house of our God? We get to pick today. The house of bondage or the house of our God. And he said, and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. God never intended for us to live in the house of bondage. God intends for us to live in his house today. I like how Ezra said it. He said, God hath not forsaken us in our bondage. I don't care what you came into the room with this morning. God hath not forsaken you in your bondage. It doesn't matter how sordid. It doesn't matter how terrible. It doesn't matter how embarrassing. It doesn't, doesn't matter how low it's made you bow. It doesn't matter why. Because... He's come that you'd have life and life more abundantly. He, he came. Why? Let me, let me tell you, the greater the bondage, the greater the celebration when he sets you free. The stronger the chain, the greater the celebration when we say, look what God has done for me. God will never forsake you in your bondage never will so thankful for what God's doing in Chad's life hey Chad is right there little wave a little bit shy you know what I love about Chad <laughs> love about Chad Chad doesn't know anything about the Bible that's not a criticism. It's wonderful. We were talking. He knows a little bit. Let me, let me just rephrase. But I said, you know, this mentioned the story of the woman caught in the act. We were baptized him here on Friday night. That's where I'm going with this. Come on, I, I, <laughs> I know Kathy's playing the soft, sweet music, and my voice is low, but I'm hollering inside. liberty when the sun sets you free. Started our message today with the story of Oscar Castaneda. Intentionally, I saved the best for last. Because it was years later 
through the DNA testing, they were able to confirm that, yes, in fact, the story was true and that Oscar was one of those two boys who were still alive after the massacre of that little community. Not only was the DNA testing able to confirm that Oscar was was one of those boys, but there was, there just was, there was one other man. Don Tranquilo was, Tranquilino was away. He just happened to be away on the day when the massacre occurred in Dos Eris. And Don came back to that tragic situation where everybody was gone. And naturally, Don thought that all nine of his children were killed and that there was absolutely nothing left. And he lived with that pain and that mourning for years. Until Oscar's DNA was entered into the database and, and then through the marvels of modern technology, Don Tranquilino, who thought that all nine of his children were killed, found out that there was one that was still alive. And what Oscar didn't realize is that even though he had been blind to the bondage that he grew up in and he had been blind to the life that he had lived, that he didn't realize all the while his real dad was still alive. That his real dad was still there. He, he didn't know it. And, and we got a couple pictures of that little reunion. Uh, they were able to meet through authorities and connections and emails and people that work together and then whoa that then that just kind of move you a little bit that that this father who thought he was sonless and this son who thought that he was fatherless were able to be reunited and a dad who thought he had no more family left all of a sudden had the opportunity to be connected with this boy and found out that his son had children and a wife and, and they brought him back to their home and there they, in Massachusetts, I think we got a couple more pictures. They were able to connect and carry on and, and life just got a whole lot better. A whole lot better for Carlos and whole, a whole lot better for Don. That in that moment that, that they connected and it's just beautiful and all, oh, it's the perfect story. But how much does it mirror the supernatural that, that outside of the house and and sometimes we live without knowing our real father. And there's a world that doesn't know our father which art in heaven. That hallowed be his name. That he is waiting for them to come home. And, and, and come on. If you just trace your spiritual DNA back, you'd find that he's your dad. And he's been waiting for you to return home. He's been waiting for you to reconnect. He's been waiting for his. Come on. He's been waiting all the while. And while that son, while Oscar was in the wrong house, he didn't know it until the truth came. But when the truth came, he realized that wasn't my house. 
I've got another house. And I just want someone to know that the truth this morning is that the world that you lived in and the sin that held you bondage and captive and the sin that held you, come on, in that place of bondage, you were, you were blind to it at the time. That sin that held you doesn't have the power to hold you when you realize whose daughter and whose son you really are. You're his and he calls you his. You are mine. That's what God's saying this morning. And he's calling you back home. He's the dad waiting on the step for the prodigal. He's the one waiting for someone to come back home because you don't have to live in bondage anymore. <laughs> Your spiritual DNA can be tracked back. And when you do, you can find that sin doesn't have the right to hold you. Your father is calling for you. And the house of God trumps the house of bondage every single time. Bondage can't hold you when you hear the truth because the sun in that moment sets you free. I wonder if you could stand together with me this morning. We can go ahead and get the praise team out if they're back there just holding. I love what Romans chapter 8 says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, but for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Someone say live. Someone say abundantly. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God for ye have not received, someone say it, the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are His children. Your spiritual DNA picks you out of the house of bondage and places you in the house of God and say that's where you were supposed to be living all the time. Welcome home. <laughs> Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. God, without a doubt, someone is struggling with sin and someone is struggling with bondage today, but there is such a spirit of liberty that's at work in this room. I, I pray, God, that you would move between every pew. I ask that you would minister to every life. Oh, don't let me pray this prayer alone. If, if you're in the house of God, someone begin to call on his name. Someone begin to cry out that, come on, that the the spirit of life in Christ Jesus would lift somebody out that somebody would be lifted up that someone would step into liberty and freedom this morning someone just intercede for a minute intercessors would you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost
Holy Ghost for a moment. It's all right. The spirit of life. There's a witness that's happening in the spirit right now. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There's, there's a witness. You, you may not be able to articulate it. Maybe you can't explain it in theological terms or biblical knowledge, but there's something that's resonating in the room because, come on, you're his child. There's a natural connection there. There's a supernatural connection. begin to sing but I want to make room in the altar this morning I for everybody that would come and but I'm wondering if we'll join together because I I've just seen some miracles happen when people gather gather together right right now it's kind of it's kind of we're all in the room together but there's something powerful about somebody stepping out and stepping forward and beginning to say you know what I'm going to exercise my liberty this morning I'm going to exercise my right I'm going to I'm going to let somebody know that I'm a part of the family and and maybe this this is a journey that you're on right now I'm inviting you to come because God's wanting come on God's wanting this family to grow it's it's not going to shrink as we go on it's not going to get smaller as time goes forward but God's got a plan for his church to grow and you're part of the growth process you're you're part of the future you're part of the divine plan you're you're part of what God intends for his people to become you you weren't meant to live in the house of bondage you are men and, and don't don't get caught in the lie of saying we've never been in bondage. I'm not living in bondage. If, if you haven't yet experienced the full liberty and freedom of the sun setting you free, then that opportunity is yours this morning. If you've never repented, then that opportunity is yours this morning. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, that opportunity is yours. It's a life-changing moment. It's a life-changing event. And, and I'm just wondering if someone would come, come on, join us at the front right now and say, I'm I'm a part of the family. I'm a part of the kingdom. I'm, I come on. I there's a witness in the Holy Ghost this morning. We're going to begin to sing, and I'm going to ask everybody to come. <laughs> 